0: This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com
1: Alright, now I don't know if this microphone works. Does it? We'll try it? Alright, we'll open the floor for any questions that anybody would like to throw out there. Somebody already has a question? Okay, you want to try it on the microphone and see if it works? What? Huh? I may have, I don't know. Just ask the question maybe and we'll... we'll. Okay, basics of Amuna, right? <laughs> is that, and we spoke. What? I'll repeat the question. Okay, so uh, w- how is it possible that everything is good if it doesn't necessarily look good? Yeah. Um. That th- this is the basics of Amuna. is that a Kaddish baruch Hu is a matev, that means that he is benevolent and he is good. He is kol kulei Everything about Hashem is good. Unfortunately, our perspective on the world is very different than Hashem's. But we've spoken about in the past, and really maybe we've spoken about this more in The Journey to Greatness, which is the other series that we have ongoing, little plug, um, for every other Wednesday night, is that, you know, a person needs to have a Nishama perspective on things. And if you view the world through the other world, the ilam ha'emes, money struggles, emotional struggles, struggles of children, parnasa. These struggles are struggles that, as far as the world is concerned, even health, it's not necessarily, doesn't have the value. There's one thing and one currency only that exists in the world to come. And that is, feeling a closeness, a bond to Hashem. So in every struggle that a person has, in a certain sense, it's an amazing opportunity for that person to work on, and sometimes the harder a person has to struggle on that relationship, the deeper they're able to appreciate that Hashem holds all the cards and that Hashem has His perspective. And because of that, a person goes through some challenges sometimes where they are able to bring themselves to a certain kirva. So yeah, sometimes it doesn't look good, but it is good. And that's why we say, you know, that you should have a shana taiva, it should be good. Um, And it should also be sweet. Like, from our perspective, it should also be good. But taiva, that it's good, it's good. That concept we have to be able to internalize yeah next question
0: ask a question
1: sure of course
0: yeah first of all thank you for the class wonderful class um could you just say again which safer you're um working off of again what is
1: whose is that i can't see this is the medrash oh the other one was the book there's a book called i don't have it here um i'm working off of the words aisha's chile so you know, sometimes it's madrashim
0: Any book that you recommend that if I wanted to like
1: email me privately and I'll uh, I'll send you an email.
0: Fine. And um, another question is when you said that, let's say you were guiding this girl that was getting married, right? Yeah. Like, I understand where it's, it's it's good when you're like sometimes it's soup and sometimes you have a discussion when you're married, but like as like you know what I mean? Like when you're Dating in the dating world, yeah. Sometimes it's the opposite of what the person, let's say, I have a son in Shadokham now, right? So sometimes it's it's not um, soup is soup, you know what I mean? Sometimes it's more than trying to at least find that soulmate.
1: Sure. So sometimes soup is soup, and sometimes soup is not soup, meaning a person has to know if what they're, if what they're, if what they're. If what they're their inconsistencies or what they're working on in their relationship, is it just soup or is it something that's more, you know, substantial? And I could tell you that many, many couples that I've sat with (laughs) who thought that they had incompatibilities, I'm not saying it was just soup, but it was things that they realized within themselves that they needed to work on this This girl specifically is is not a made-up story. It's a real story of a person who recognized that she was a very rigid personality. And it's now a few years later, and she's not just happily married, she's happily developed in her marriage. She used her marriage as a springboard for growth, as opposed to her just simply saying, well, this is who I am. Just saying this is who I am is very nice when you're living in a basement by yourself. When you want to be married to somebody else, a person has, every person has differences from somebody else. And we always say that that the key to marriage is Bittle is is being able to hear somebody else's opinion, to be able to hear somebody else's emotions, to be able to like listen to them and say, wow, I really didn't see things that way. As opposed to saying, oh, I didn't see things that way and you're wrong because I'm right because my perspective is right. That doesn't work. What works in a relationship is being able to hear somebody else and at least Accept what they're saying. I always say, always agree before you disagree. Always realize you probably didn't marry a Meshogana. You just married somebody who's very different than you. So appreciate that and step into their world for five minutes. So yes, obviously a large, a large part, a large part of the dating process is figuring out, is this somebody that I'm willing to do that with? Am I willing to like free fall off this cliff to trust them enough to be Mavata myself to them? If you want to look at it that way, does that make sense? Is that too deep? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Meaning so- like,
0: meaning if this, if let's say this girl is so quiet and I need more personality, right. But maybe if I woke, woke up in the morning, the day after the wedding and I realize, oh my gosh, what I got myself into, then I could work on it. But yeah, if but I'm I- dating her, you know what I'm saying? There is a process of. Finding the right, I like that. Finding the right spouse, finding the right partner to be mevatal with.
1: Ex- exactly. I have to just tell you also, you know, I, I had, I once had a chassan that I was talking to. And this guy was, let's call it, um, very gishmaka guy, a very personality, very loud and very, you know, like really like in your face kind of guy. Like if he's in a room, you like know he's in a room. And the girl that he got engaged to was really very, very different, very different, very quiet and very reserved and very refined. And, and I was talking to him when we were, you know, learning Hassan classes and I said, describe your Hassan to me. Like, let me hear a little bit about, describe your Kala to me. And he was talking to me about her and I was like, whoa, that sounds very different than, than you are. And he said, you know, I, I realized this is a smart guy. He said, I realized that my entire time as a Bacher, I needed to put on this, this like facade, like this external side of me. Oh, geschmack and yelling and screaming. And he's like, but deep down, like, like in my like pneumius, that's like, I need, I need to be cultured. I need to be somebody who, who can, who can tell me, tuck yourself in, take me shopping, get me some normal clothes that I'm not just like flying and yelling and screaming. So there's a lot of truth to. Opposites don't always attract, but sometimes when somebody is opposite, there's there's a mile to having, you know, somebody else that you're able to be mavato yourself to who's very very different than you. All right, yeah, all right, Thank you. Oh, somebody wants to ask five. Okay, fire away. Go ahead.
2: So you are discussing the idea that right when your husband comes home angry, whatever, you shouldn't be like jumping into it and attacking. But what about when they come home not angry, but like? like a little sad, like you could tell there's something niggling in the back of their mind, but you don't, they don't want to say anything. Is that, are you supposed to push them to talk or are you supposed to leave it alone? Because if you leave it alone, they're going to act weird the whole day. But like, on the other hand, you don't want to push them into a corner and like force them to tell you what's going on.
1: Right. So sometimes, sometimes people are not as expressive, right? And they have things going on in the back of their mind and they're not willing to necessarily jump out there and say it. But how often is it that we're like, what's going on? No, talk to me. You never talk to me. And it becomes a whole fight when that's not what the person really needs from you, right? They oftentimes need from you to say, wow, I see you have something on your mind. Take your time. I want you to know I'm here for you if you ever want to chat. Now, if this goes on for a long time, so then you might need to switch to plan B and plan B is sitting down and saying, by the way, you know, I feel like there's things that you're carrying around on your shoulders. You know, how about if we talk about it? Or would you like to find somebody else to talk to, you know, with me? Or do you want to speak to somebody without me? Whatever, whatever the case may be. But step one, I think, is an acceptance of who the person is. You know, a lot of times, I'll just use this as a springboard to talk about a certain concept. A lot of times I sit with couples that are married a long time. And people, you know, here's the, the surprising thing. It's not surprising, but here's the surprising thing about dealing with couples Most couples that come are not married for five minutes. When people get into like arguments and they're married like, you know, seven minutes after Sheva breakfast, it's like, it's, it's, it's like Kinderspiel. It's like, you know, it's, it's as what that means for our Sephardic friends means that's like child's play. Okay. There's not much to that. Okay. Generally, obviously sometimes there's more, but compare that to a couple that's married 25 years that has four kids or twelve kids, you know, three of them in Shadokim and two of them in high school and six of them in elementary school and then whatever, there's a lot more complexity to what's going on there, right? So I I'm not making light of couples that are struggling in Shanarishana. Yes, those are real struggles. But when couples come and they're married so much longer, it's oftentimes like, whoa, like where do you even start with? There's so many people that you're that you're dealing with. And what I find is that as a starting point, as a starting point. It's not the ending point, but it's the starting point is an acceptance of who your spouse is today. You want your spouse to change. You first have to accept who they are today. I had a guy come come one time, they were married over 25 years and his wife came one time and he started complaining to me about his wife. Like, and you realize she's still doing whatever it is, even after she came to you. So I was like, hold on one second. You you were her husband for 20 something years, Right. So who created the marriage as it is today? Not me. I wasn't married to her for 25 years. Somebody else is married to her for 25 years, right? So first let's accept like where things are holding. And now we can work on, on changing it. Meaning spouse is not going to change. They're, they're not a circuit breaker. They don't just, you don't just like flip it and all of a sudden everything works. People take time to develop and to change and to grow. So yes, if you're willing to, to watch that growth happen, absolutely. But it's very rare that there's somebody who's in a bad mood and you just like attack them and they change. Or or you just like say, calm down. Okay, fine, I didn't realize I needed to calm. It doesn't usually work that way. There's usually a process of a person that you accept them for where they are. Wow, I see you're in a bad mood. You accept them, like you you baseline it. Like this is where you're holding, I accept that. That's good. You're okay. And then now let's work on step number two, step number three. You understand what I'm saying? That's generally how it that's generally how it like needs to play itself out.
2: But it doesn't mean that you're gonna literally like handle them with kid gloves while they're in that mode. But you're also not gonna be acting like you're just supposed to be acting normal, natural, like acknowledging it. I see you're in a bad mood, and then just life as normal, or like
1: no, I think you could acknowledge it. Why not? I'm saying you. Uh, I, I don't think spouses that, need to tip to, like, Act
2: as if everything is normal, or keep or like act with not exactly kid gloves. Like they're not a baby, but like
1: I I think that. I think that, you know, sometimes acknowledging what your spouse is going through without pushing them, but then pushing them when you have a moment to be able to have an open conversation, that's usually a good one-two punch. You hear what I'm saying? Like an acceptance of, I see what you're going through right now, and I'm here for you anytime you want to talk. And then at another time, say, I see this is going on for a long time. You should just know... I feel like you probably need to unburden yourself. I'm here for you. Those, those two things. Sometimes it just doesn't work. Sometimes they're just not interested. They're not like looking for somebody to talk to and they're not looking to change. So then it, then it becomes much, much more challenging. But what, what I find is that people actually want to be understood. They want somebody to be able to say to them, Oh, I get what you're going through. Or so that conversation could be a very, very valuable conversation. Good. All right. What's that? I can't read that question from here. Oh, it's the same question. Okay, very good. Okay, is there any last question before we close down? Yeah, you have a question here. Okay, go ahead. When should you move? That's a great question. When should you be? Yeah, when should you be there on something, and when should you not be there on something? It's a good question. I'll give you one rule of thumb. I don't think this is the rule of thumb. But I think that if you're gonna be resentful, then it's probably better for you to talk it out. If if you realize that you're that you have the gavura to 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 step up to the plate and really let something go, but like really, really, really believe, shalom, let something go, then it's a good idea to let something go. If if you're big enough to not let small things bother you, then you should be big enough. If you're not and I don't mean that in a bad way, but if you're just not there, or the or the thing that you're dealing with is just too big, right? It's something that's serious. Your spouse is neglecting you, or they're insensitive, or whatever it is. Then say something. You know what I'm saying? Not you, but like if a person goes to their in-laws' house and the spouse is like making fun of them or saying whatever, that's a, that's that's not a serious issue, but that's an issue that needs to be dealt with seriously. You need to have a conversation. You know, I, I don't like when you do that. Can you please stop that? It makes me feel like this. You have a real conversation, a real heart-to-heart conversation. I guarantee you, if you're Mavatar in such a situation, maybe you'll last one time, not more than two, before you're going to explode at your spouse. Two. Not, I don't even think you'll make it to two. If you try to like stuff that down, your spouse is making fun of you in front of his family or your family, whatever, I don't think you'll make it even one time. Right? By the end of that Shabbos or Yunta, fireworks are going to be going on off in that house. It's it's impossible, right? So if you're if you if you're big enough, don't let small things bother you. But if the things are are big enough that they are real issues that have to be dealt with, then deal with them. Then deal with them. Don't allow those issues to
2: is it like my
1: problem? That's a good question. If somebody's an extra sensitive person, so, sometimes I know it shouldn't bother me, but like... Yeah. I'm okay. I So... Right. So it's a good question. I think it's a case-by-case basis, but sometimes there are certain people who... Uh, I'm trying to think how to word this uh, in a politically correct way. I don't want this to be taken the wrong way. Sometimes a person... Let me say it like this. Take time... It's wise to take time. Don't just react. My father once told me, he said, like in business, it's a good rule of thumb. Like before you have like a big reaction to something, always wait three days. Like see where you're holding in three days from now. Make a note of it. This is the thing. And then speak about, first of all, if it's not bothering you in three days, that's good. Right? Because some people take longer to, to calm down from things. And if if it is bothering you in three days, when you do talk about it, hopefully you will be much calmer right? So if your spouse did something and you you wait a little, it doesn't have to be three days, but if you wait, if you give it some time and then you say to them, you know, hey, could I talk to you about, you know, whatever, I would really appreciate or I feel like our marriage is whatever. If you start talking like that, you'll be much calmer and they'll be much more accepting. In the moment, it almost never comes out right. You know what I mean? So it's probably a very good idea, like give it some time. And sometimes, sometimes, you need to say, like, is this something that's could die for me to have a conversation with somebody? Like, should I do this or not? And sometimes you need a third party. Like, hey, you know, is this worth bringing up? Is this worth making an issue in my marriage or not? Or is there a way that I can bring this up without it becoming an issue in my marriage? I think that's even a smarter thing. Is there a way for me to make this in a way that it does not become an issue in my marriage? I want to talk about it. I just don't want this to become bigger than it is. How do I tackle this? You know what I'm saying? So, those are usually good things. Is there one more question on the thing? Yeah. It was
0: also asked last week
1: the What are you doing with different hashkafas? What does a person do when they have different hashkafas than their spouse? <laughs> okay, so we changed the word and we have a new question. <laughs> um, uh, we didn't address it. Okay, what does a person do if they have different values than their spouse? So, values are like this. Um and values generally are inflexible, which means that it's hard to just simply be Mavatar. If your spouse, let's give an example. Let's say your spouse, you're crazy about, which we all should be, but you're crazy about Lashon Hara, like you, you're not speaking Lashon Hara, right? And your spouse is crazy about speaking Lashon Hara, okay? Those two values. It's going to be very hard for you to just be Mavatar because you're sitting at a Shabbos table and everything that they're saying is Lashon Hara, putting down this person, belittling that person. It's going to be very hard for you to just sit there and just have that conversation. So on certain values, let's say you want your spouse to daven and they're not davening, or whatever the case may be, then you sort of, we've spoken about this in the past, it's sort of like overlapping rings. Things that are completely in their domain, let it, generally, let it go. What? You can't put your values in somebody else, although sometimes you can influence the other person's value system. Right, sometimes you could, but if it's not aligning, it's generally a good idea to take a hands-off approach. If it is stepping into your world, so then it's going to be very hard for you to just swallow that and let that go. Sometimes you have to have a conversation. And sometimes I'm going to say something that might be a little bit shocking to you. Sometimes you may have to change your value system in order for your, your values as a couple to become more congruent, con- congruent, congruent. There we go. Um, and, and have more of a symmetry or a unified front for your marriage to be strong. I'll say that again. Sometimes a person may, with guidance, may have to lower or change their own standards for certain things so that their marriage has less conflict, so that they can get closer to each other on that value system, so that in the long run, their values will grow Together. I'll give you a small example. It might be a funny example, but I think this is an important point. I had a couple ones that came to me. When they got married, this guy's hat was a baseball cap and his jacket was like a, a, like made out of like jean material. Jeans. Yeah. Denim. Okay. That's what this guy wore. Okay. That was his hat and his jacket. He did not own a hat and a jacket. That was what it was. Okay. Then after 10 years, the guy came very inspired. And decided that he comes home one day, he's wearing a hat, bend down the whole spiel, porcelino, and he's wearing like a proper jacket. And he like walks in the door and his wife like was like, are you collecting Tadaka? Like she didn't even know who he was. He was like, what is going on here? And he was like, yeah, this is the new me. You have to accept me. And, and she was not ready for that. She was not ready for that. And we had a long conversation. I'll tell you the muscle that I told him. Life is like a journey. And marriage is like two people going on that journey side by side. So imagine if you're going for a thousand mile walk, okay? It's a long time. Two people walking together side by side. That's what marriage is. It's unity. It's in the word, journey of unity, right? Kesher, Davak. It's in the word. It's in the the description of what marriage is. Now imagine if one person says, listen, we're going forward. I'm going to go forward ahead of you. I'm going to walk a mile ahead of you. I'm going to go on this thousand mile journey. But on mile two, I'm now running to mile three while you take a break. And we'll keep going on this journey. I'll meet you at the end. I'm sorry to say that's not marriage. You might be going in the right direction, but if your right direction is taking you away from your spouse, you may, in certain instances, obviously, you may sometimes have to say, I need to either change my standard, sometimes figure out that it's not conflicting with your spouse. Now, obviously, I am not talking about breaking halakha or anything along that that line. But with guidance, with guidance, a person sometimes may have to make sure that their, that their values are aligned to the point where the spouse is, that the marriage is not being affected. There's a certain halacha, I don't want to go into the whole details now, a very complex shayla that was presented to Rivaliyashiv that was very much along these lines of a wife who was keeping halacha to a certain level and the husband was not. And when they presented this to Rivaliyashiv, his response was, this is not going to work. This is not going to work. The wife's level of observance in halacha and the husband, it, it's not going to work. Ah, but the wife was right. And he, he said, I'm going to teach you how to be megal over here. And he was mekel for the wife to bend halacha to the point where the couple was strong. And then over time, over time, the husband was able to grow towards his wife's direction. There was no resentment. There was no animosity. There wasn't hating Hashem and hating Halacha and hating the rabbis. There was none of that. Because she was able to understand that this journey, if you're not on this journey together, so what do you have? You have no marriage. So sometimes that's the answer. Not across the board. Ask your local Orthodox rabbi. But sometimes when those those values are not aligned, when those concepts are not aligned, you have to make a concession if it's within the world where it's affecting both of you uncomfortable you don't like that mm-hmm. yeah you okay <laughs> i wasn't sure okay yeah husband, or should it come okay respecting a husband okay so this question i'm going to defer till next week okay i'm going to make a note about this okay so whoever spent sent this question and please uh you know, We'll take this question next week first. You can email it in and we'll uh, talk about it or um, we'll figure that out. But th- this is a deeper concept than like a closing question. This is a question that needs like a good five to seven minutes. So let's talk about this next week. It's one of the core values of a marriage is respect. And we spoke about this concept of being able to throw yourself off a cliff in order to be mavato yourself. You have to have that underlying sense of security and respect and appreciation for your spouse. So if it's not necessarily there we have to figure out how to build it in there but mr shaham um, will talk about this next time um we'll see you guys mr shaham um, in 2 weeks thank you so much for joining have a wonderful night
0: you've just experienced another torah class brought to you by torahanytime.com